Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on August the 4th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, picking on people on Facebook, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played in the last, I don't know, few weeks. Uh, Rocket League goes free to play, becomes Epic exclusive. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate gets Project X Cloud on September 15th. Spider-Man is coming to Marvel's Avengers, but is a PlayStation exclusive, along with some other things. We will have a uh, Discovery queue, and timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, trying to deal with... Yeah. Modern politics. Yeah. They just make me sad. They make me fucking irate. Well, they do that too. Yeah, Anita was busy yelling over the the COVID uh, response uh, uh, press conference that Trump gave. So just, no, that's fucking bullshit. Right? Yeah. That's like everything that he does, though. It's fucking bullshit. Or No, that's a lot. No, those numbers don't mean what you think they mean. Yeah, but he doesn't care. That's the thing. Well, we should save this bastard. for the uh, political uh, yeah, bonus episode we're going to do towards the end of October. You actually need to hash out a, a date for that at some point. Yep, the real spoopy part of October. Discussing politics for some amount of time. An hour, at least, probably. Yeah, that might be our Sunday thing instead of uh, going to game. That would make it the easiest way to do it, but I mean, we could, yeah, we'll, we'll hash it out later. Yeah. Kind of uh, announcing that one early on. You don't have to listen to it for listen to us, bitch. There will be a normal episode that week as well, because that's one thing we want to try to avoid is just bitch about politics again uh, for the entire episode instead of have a proper episode as well. Yeah. But we, you know, we still want to bitch about politics because yeah. it makes us feel better. Or at least I, I hope it does because who fair, fair play. Um, speaking of things that make us feel better and playing, you want to talk about some video games? Okay. I guess we can. I mean, that is kind of why we're here. So Indeed. Uh, another one in the games I've been playing for a fairly extended amount of time. But I haven't had a chance to talk about list. Uh, and another one of the handheld games that I picked up. This uh, is uh, one of the, uh, well, 2DS, but 3DS uh, games that I picked up on eBay. Professor Layton and the Curious Village. And yes, I know there is a mobile version as well. Uh, honestly, I just kind of wanted to not deal with that. I just wanted to have, you know, a game or have the actual physical, co- physical copy of it. And I have to deal with the fact that, you know, maybe uh, later the Android version uh, gets broken because, you know, we're talking about Nintendo here, right? Indeed. So, and yes, I realize that it's actually like a dollar or two cheaper than what I paid, but there are some people that are saying that there's uh, some translation issues from uh, 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 some puzzles are fun, but yeah, uh, they didn't translate as well from uh, the 2D to or 2D 3DS to uh, the mobile, so that's why I got it there. 
So for those who don't know, Professor Layton is a fairly long going series. There's four or five games in the series now, if I recall correctly. I would have to actually double check that. And this is the first in the, well, the first released one. There's a, a prequel at one point, and there's one that's like a, uh, a alternate future, and then there's one where uh, yeah, he's battling against Ace Attorney, because why the fuck not, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight non-main games with seven, or sorry, non-games with seven uh, entries into the main series. So, uh, Professor Layton, it's a mystery uh, puzzle-solving game where everybody is really obsessed with puzzles. I mean, crazily obsessed, all right? Everyone. And I realize it's more to fit random puzzles into the game, but it sometimes is a bit much. You know, like, oh, I help you, but I could help you, but I'm really working on this puzzle right now and I can't quite concentrate. Maybe you can help me out with it. And it's, you know, uh, this oddball matchstick puzzle. So sometimes the, you know, the execution, yeah, it can you know, use a little bit of work, but it, the, the core concept is, you're playing as Professor Layton and his assistant, which, oh, damn it, I'm blanking on his name now. <laughs> Where And you're being called to uh, this town that has a big dispute over uh, over an inheritance. Basically, the guy, uh, the guy that died uh, hid a golden apple, and the uh, person that finds the golden apple that's hidden in the town gets everything and all his uh, families there trying to fight uh, fight it out who is uh, and figure out who actually will uh, win the inheritance in essentially this town and like i said sometimes things are a little ham-fisted and uh, the fact that the game is essentially a narrative puzzle game and there's also times that uh, the puzzles could be a little bit abstract and it seems like sometimes they just can't decide if they want to be clever or just be very upfront and there's no real penalty to just guessing at a puzzle for the most part there's something that you get called picked rights which depending on the difficulty of the of the puzzle uh, a puzzle is usually worth somewhere between 20 to 50 of these uh you know MacGuffins. And if you hit a certain milestone of them, which I haven't yet, something happens in the story to kind of encourage you to go around and find all the hidden little puzzles that are in the environment or uh, talk to different characters to unlock extra puzzles. And as you progress through the game, there's also a magic hut uh, that has a witch that will essentially collect all the puzzles that you missed in the previous chapter and collect them in one place so you could try them uh, at your own leisure. Uh, for the most part, there's a couple times uh, she said that they're not. she's not going to get all the puzzles. And there's 130 puzzles or so, according to uh, some reviews, varying from just a simple uh, a maze puzzle to 
matchstick puzzles to mapping puzzles, it, it really runs the gambit. And like I said, there's times that it just feels like they're trying too hard to be clever and makes things obtuse, which is a little disappointing because it, one thing about puzzle games is that sometimes you kind of have to get into the head of the puzzle master or the puzzle creator. And this one feels like it's a little bit designed by committee. So you, there's uh, times that it just doesn't quite hit it properly. There's just uh, the rules seem to change from puzzle to puzzle a little bit too much. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Where uh, a good example of this is uh, one puzzle. I'll, I'll spoil a couple puzzles for you. Uh, one puzzle talks about where. Oh, I'm sorry, my fan stopped and I was plugging it back in because the battery died on it. It gets fucking hot in here, so I have a little handheld fan on run. Uh, uh, one puzzle talks about horses. So, um, and uh, trying to think of a good way to put this because it's one of those that if you read it too quickly, you skip over the obvious answer. So there, there's one horse that, uh, uh, there's three horses that are running a racetrack and the uh, person wants to know how many laps or, or how, how much time it takes for each horse to line up perfectly at the start line once again. And one says, uh, one horse uh, finishes four laps in one minute. One finishes set, uh, uh, five laps in one minute. And one finishes three laps in one minute. Well, whenever you say and think about it, right? <clears throat> yeah. How many minutes would it take for all the horses to line up again, right? A single right. one because they're all whole numbers. But then there's other ones where the like the matchstick puzzles it could be very obtuse and it requires a a little bit more finagling than what the uh, than what the game I think really should have where. They don't explain to you, for example, that you could rotate the matchsticks or that uh, matchsticks can be swapped out. So you have to figure that one out on your own. And it feels, like I said, uh, like it's a got you moment. Like, aha, I didn't explain all the rules to you. And uh, there also are sliding puzzles every so often, which honestly are annoying. But I've never enjoyed uh, sliding puzzles to begin with. So that's probably on my end. I will say that graphically it has aged pretty well. And the fact that they have full motion intros and uh, essentially bookends the chapters with uh, full uh, proper cutscenes, and it has a very charming art style to it. Even though sometimes the puzzles do leave me a little bit frustrated just because it feels like it's not so much working the puzzle as it is trying to, figure out, okay, is this puzzle screwing with me or is it actually the uh, telling me all the rules and I'm supposed to work it out from there. There, It's overall been a good experience. I would say that I think that uh, the DS version just because you have the proper stylus and uh, proper contro- uh, controls I think it's still the more accessible of the two. Plus, you can pick on eBay for practically nothing these days. The bubble version, 
there's people that are saying that it has a little bit of control issue because a lot of the puzzles are designed around stylus control. Uh, there's uh, also always the question of compatibility, especially on Android, because Android is just the wild west when it comes to phones. Mm-hmm. But it does have better graphics. So mm. overall, I would say it's worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of puzzles uh, and and or mystery games, because it is weaving a rather interesting uh, uh, mystery into things as well. It's just sometimes it's a little bit weird. Oh, and the, oh, the uh, assistant is Luke. Sorry, I, I was looking up and it's Luke and Layton. So, yeah. I'm trying to avoid the uh, the plot spoilers because I, I am still actively playing and I've been playing it on and off for the last you know several weeks actually between sort of between that and uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle seasons these days, which I talked about last week and I'll probably talk about it again once I finish it. Thanks. Um, so I've got three games I decided to talk about this week. I don't think any of them are particularly long. Um, All right, well, hang on. Let me go get my book. Actually, hang on. Let me fire up the DS and put some more time on uh, Zelda. There you go. Um, so the first game I got is uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle on the Switch. Um, this came out, what, two years ago or a year ago? Well, yeah, this was one of those games that came out with, <laughs> from Ubisoft was just, what the hell? Then then got some actually good reviews because it's the Rabbids, which are kind of a wild card to begin with, but was an actually competent uh, tactical uh, strategy game. Yes, this is a really good, surprising, I would say surprisingly good and competent strategy game. Um, like it, I, does, I, it does answer or uh, raise <clears throat> one question before you get going. Okay. Okay, so Mario has a gun in this, correct? Yes, indeed. Like a blaster type gun. Like a Why laser the fuck blaster. does he just use a gun in every other Mario game? <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, I think it would be more appropriate if he uh, Mario either shot fireballs or could like use his different suit or the different upgrades, you know, the star and the Tanuki suit and etc. Although I'm maybe halfway through the game. I've got half of the characters unlocked and you seem to get one new character. Um, like you go a few chapters without getting any new characters because you start with three and then you start unlocking them, it seems like, after every chapter at that point. So I've got uh, half of the characters unlocked, so I think I'm about halfway through the game. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of a setup um, where that this, like, scientist person uh, creates, like, these weird little goggles that can just make stuff reality. It's like, oh, hey, see that game poster over there? I'm going to make it a reality. And it connects the two realities of Mario Land and Rabbids, uh, Rayman, well, Rayman Land, and the Rabbids come over from there. Um, and some of the Rabbids are good, and some of them are bad. And the game doesn't really do a good idea, a good job of explaining like which ones are good and which ones are bad, because they all seem to have their intelligence increased by being shot with like the reality goggles. But like I said, some of them become good and some of them become bad. And it's not just like the ones that get dressed up like Mario characters that are good. Um, although all of those are good, but there's plenty of rabbits that are just like running around that are good. So that's confusing. Ultimately it doesn't really matter. Um, 
the the game is is a mix of a little bit of a of some sort of traditional Mario type stuff. There's a, a like an overworld map that you run along that has um coins throughout that you can collect and stars small um fairly simple environmental puzzles occasionally you have to progress forward and then backtrack with some new thing that you unlock at the beginning it's a few abilities that are kind of kept back through for a tutorial later on it's um just as you have learned how to do certain things in the world or have manipulated the world in such a way that something opens up that didn't before, then you can backtrack and get it. There's little things reminiscent of previous games, like from Super Mario 64, the red coin, like collection puzzles and um, hidden areas that you can launch yourself into to collect coins and things. Um, So there's that. And then it's turn-based strategy game that feels much more modern XCOM uh, inspired than anything else, any of the other sort of turn-based strategy games that I've seen. Um, And it's this very interesting mix of very simple, but also very complex. So you've got your various characters. Um, Mario is like the team leader, and he can never be traded out for anybody, at least not that I have found so far. And then you start with Rabid Peach, who is the best character. I have a huge crush on her. And Rabid Luigi, who is okay. And then later on, you get normal Luigi and Peach and Yoshi um, and some other characters. But anyways, so you have your team of three characters, and they each fill a a niche role. Like Mario is just sort of uh, the equivalent of like a rifleman from XCOM. And he's got... um, extra like attack abilities like he's got like an overwatch ability luigi is like a sniper um rabid peach is like a support class so she's got abilities that can like heal um and then buff or debuff enemies they all obviously have guns that do roughly the same thing luigi's gun has got a little bit longer range um but there's there's another gun that's like a sniper rifle Uh, i can't remember if it's Rabid Luigi or another character that gets a rocket launcher, but you know, that's pretty cool. Um, all of that's pretty simple and standard, easy to get into. You've only got three sort of shot percentages. There's hundred percent, fifty percent, and zero percent. But sometimes it's still worth shooting on zero percent because you can destroy cover, and then fifty percent, obviously, fifty fifty chance to hit. Where the game gets really complex is that it's got a lot of movement-based attacks that are a lot of fun. So typically in these types of games, you have a a movement range, and you can either move you know, a certain amount of tiles, or you can dash to move an extra amount of tiles, but you can't attack. Well, in this, every character has got basic movement attacks, and then certain characters have got advanced ones. So you can um, do like a melee charge into an enemy, which resets your movements. You can like stack these together. So let's say you can move four tiles, but if on tile number four, you can um, run into an enemy, it'll do a slide tackle attack. And then you get another four tiles of movement space that don't count as like a dash. And so you can chain these together. You can also chain, like there's, there's a limit. There's a hard limit on how many chain you can chain together. So you can't do like 10, but you can get, Two, I think, by default, and then certain characters can get that upgraded so they can do more. There's also jumping attacks, um, which not all of the characters can do jumping attacks from the start, but like Mario obviously can, so you jump on their head to do damage. 
then you can combine a jumping attack into a sliding attack and then maybe into another jumping attack or with like you can combine it with shooting um and some of the jumping attacks like you jump down from uh from a higher elevation you can also have friendly characters throw you up into the air so you can get additional movement that way that unlocks interesting paths through certain combat areas not all combat areas are just kill everything some of them you have to get sort of to the other side other side there's like a hazard or maybe an infinitely respawning enemy or a boss that you're not supposed to actually fight and kill, like a chain chomp, for example, you're supposed to get around him. And so you can use these jumping or these throwing and jumping attacks and like the melee slides to increase your movement speed without actually ending your turn. So you can still use abilities or just straight up attacks. It's very interesting and compelling in how it puts it all together. And it's a lot of fucking fun to, to sort of do this like Rube Goldbergian style, like, attack and it's like okay how many attacks can i get off in sequence and still make it across to the other side of this bridge and then shoot somebody and then use my ability um it's that is a ton of fun and that's where a lot of the game's challenge comes in um like i said it's it's very simple at its base it's also very forgiving at its base but before the start of every battle um it gives you the option do you want to heal your characters do you want to have bonus health for this fight um so it makes it very difficult to actually lose where the challenge comes in is that you get ratings for completing each of these levels and it's like you know finish it in six moves and you get three stars and then if it's nine moves you get two and more than nine you only get one star and then you get rewards based on those stars so um a lot of times you just get coins which let you buy straight up buy like weapon upgrades for your character occasional ability upgrades are worth coins but for the ability upgrades you need points which you can collect from three starring an entire chapter for example or you find them on the overworld or you kill the boss or whatever and that's how you level up there's different upgrade trees so you can um spec the character in in a specific way um uh, rabid peach has got essentially two major tree branches and one is for more buff and the other is for me for more debuff and you, it, it does the thing where it's like it's on levels. And so like whenever you spend, say, 15 upgrade points, it just unlocks the next level. So it doesn't fully lock you into like, I'm going to be a healer or I'm going to be a damage dealer. You can pick and choose as you go up the tree, which I like. Um, and then otherwise, it's just like really cute, really silly. Everyone has got a distinct personality. I mean, Mario and Luigi and Peach and Yoshi kind of fall into, <clears throat> if you've played the games with them, like fall into what you expect them to. Mario's like, ah, yes, I'm the hero. I'm gonna win. I'm a Mario. And Luigi's like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm a Luigi. I don't like ghosts. So he's, you know, kind of kind of scared and hangs back a little bit. I think that's why he's a Honestly, with some of the bullshit that Mario puts up, can you blame Luigi? No, I definitely don't blame him. Um, but, you know, that's how they act. And Peach is kind of like, oh, I'm Peach, I'm a princess. <laughs> but the rabbits are where it's a lot of fun. Because, like, Rabbit Peach is, like, very clearly got a crush on Mario. And she's, like, really sassy. And she takes, like, selfies all the time. And um, Rabbit Luigi is just kind of, like, a big doofus. So he's, like, really silly and, and cute and funny. Um, Basically flanderizing the characters. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So, I mean, overall, it's a great game. I, I, I don't know how far I am. Like I said, I feel like I'm about halfway through it. But I can't say for sure. Um, I haven't looked up like any guides or anything at no point in time. 
have I felt like it, the game has been unfair in any way? I've only actually failed a couple of times. Um, usually I'm, I'm pretty good at, at getting three stars for, for things. And that's, that's been a good enough challenge. Like for me, cause I recognize this game is meant to be accessible to a different type of dif- demographic who's not used to playing strategy games. So it doesn't bother me that it's quote unquote easy. Um, but it's it's the movement and attack systems themselves are fun enough and interesting enough to to keep me going. And then the challenge is there to get three stars for every single um, battle that you do to get three stars on a chapter and get maximum rewards. Um, there's also a ton of collectibles for stuff that's just like art and music because Nintendo is probably the only developer in the business that still makes sure that stuff like that shows up in games and is not pre-order bonuses or DLC or microtransactions. So you can get lots of game art and like little cute character models and stuff like that to go look at in the gallery and listen to the soundtrack, which is all very nice. Not stuff that super interests me, but if you're the type of person that likes to play a game and get all the collectibles, there's a bunch of them there. So it's it's been a really pleasant experience and I'm, you know, I'm going to get through it uh, probably in the next few weeks. If anything major changes, I'll bring it back up, but I felt pretty confident in my ability to talk about it right now. It's it's pretty pretty on the nose about what type of game it is and what its gameplay is like and stuff. So I don't expect there to be a great deal of surprise, but hey, who knows? Maybe there will be. So that was the first game on my list. Uh, game number two, gonna take a complete 180 from fun, silly Mario, and I'm gonna talk about Carrion. Um, Carrion is the reverse horror game that Devolver Digital um, very recently released, uh, and they had it at their last e3 thing where you yeah, play that might be the last e3 thing the way things are going very true um and i talked about it a few weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago i don't remember exactly when we did our like demo thing where it was like hey we're gonna play a bunch of demos and talk about stuff um but it it's on game pass and so that's where i have played it um i have not completed it but i know i'm very close to the end um based on how many powers I've unlocked. Um, It is a fucking blast to play. I have some problems with it, and I don't know if there's any replayability to it after you beat it once. Um, I won't spoil... I'll I'll be sure not to spoil the little bits of... or Not the little bits. There's definitely some story stuff going on. I'll be sure not to spoil that, and I'll keep most of like the abilities and things close to the chest. I'll only talk about what I need to to explain. I keep keep meaning to play this, but... Uh, I've had a game that I've been playing on and off uh, for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. So in, you know, in Karen, you play the, the, the scary, creepy, grotesque horror monster who escapes from the science lab. Um, it captures that feeling wonderfully. The movement system is just mwah, chef kiss. Um, essentially you just left click and move your mouse pointer around the screen and there are some differences based on the size of your monster, because as you take in more biomass, your monster grows larger. Um, so that makes it move a little more slowly. But also, it, like, they capture the, the weight of having this giant mass creature, like, rolling around or skittering around everywhere. But it, still, it's very quick, very responsive movement, regardless of how big your monster is. The larger your monster gets, the longer your sort of grabby tentacles become. So you can do like these really interesting like 
stalk your prey around as a big monster, like on the ceiling that they can't see. And you just reach your tentacles down and you grab someone and they start screaming and you like fling them across the room and then you eat them. It's very fun. And then rapid Luigi comes out with his rocket launcher (laughs) and blows you the fuck up. Oh God. I, okay. So seriously, people, the humans are a, are a massive threat. Like the scientist guys and anybody just kind of wandering around with a pistol, like, you know, whatever. They're not a problem. Fucking pounce on those guys and eat them. The soldiers, even up until the end of the game, the soldiers are a big threat to you because even though you're a big, scary monster, you're still just a, a blob of flesh. And so bullets are not good. The soldiers have got like little shields that if you run into them, they do damage to you and you can't attack them through the shield. There's guys with flamethrowers. The flamethrowers are instant death unless there's water nearby. Because once you start burning, you can't put yourself out unless you dive into some water. Um, There are other enemies later on in the game that are much bigger and much scarier. And still, even with me at what I'm pretty sure is max level, and I think I have all of the abilities. I mean, it's possible there's like some kind of like uber ability to wrap out the game that it gives you. But I have like all of the abilities... Like there's, you've got three ability slots for each size of creature that you can grow. And I have abilities that fill all of those slots. So unless there's, you know, some kind of uber, uber ability, I'm very close to the end of the game. But I mean, there are much bigger and much scarier enemies than just uh, humans with machine guns and flamethrowers. And you will have to plan out like how to deal with them. Um, And there are certain abilities later on that make that, really heckin fun i mean it, it it's a lot of fun to just like r- roll through or wriggle through a room and eat everything immediately but also some of the abilities that you get are very cool and whenever you pull off like a horror style um thing like a body horror style thing it it feels really good and i can't really say anymore without spoiling some of what i think are the best mechanics in the game so i'll leave those um as for those abilities the game gives them to you at a at regular enough intervals that you don't really get bored um you get you get the idea of how a mechanic works you get to use it for a while to either solve some like a couple of puzzles or deal with enemies in an interesting way <clears throat> and then it gives you something new but continues to utilize those old the the older mechanics because in a game like this a lot of times what I've seen in the past is that you'll get a new mechanic and it's like ooh shiny and then the game will abandon it and never use it again. But the game does a really good job of one putting stuff in your way that lets you use those abilities. Sometimes you have to use them. Sometimes it gives you choices of how to approach different situations. Combat's probably the easiest one because certain abilities mean that you can tackle. Um, you know, there, there are some abilities that you get, like, in the demo. So I'll mention this, because it was, it was in the demo, and I talked about it when I talked about the demo. One of the early powers that you get is this ability to make, like, these little bone-type blade things come out, and you lunge at enemies with them, and they do massive damage to anything that it hits, especially, like, the soldiers and the robots. Um, and so when you get that ability, for example, like, the, the next... Or there will be rooms where it's like, okay, I could use the, this ability and rush headlong in. I'll definitely take some damage. But is that worth it versus sneaking around like on the ceiling and trying to grab them one at a time and thin them out? Or maybe there's a way to go underneath them and some water and you can drag them into the water and drown them. So it, you know, it lets you pick and choose in a lot of areas how you want to handle certain bosses. I think it also 
implies that you can do a lot of stealthing and not actually fighting people. I don't know why you would do that. The stealthingness is not very good for the most part. There's one ability that's linked to stealth, but it's really hard to employ properly outside of the sections where you need it to to solve a puzzle. Um, and enemies don't respawn. So if you just kill everybody, then you don't have to worry when the game occasionally needs you to backtrack. Um, this is a, a, a Metroidvania light style of game. There is some backtracking and there are bonus things that you can get to say increase your health or give you extra grabby tentacles for you know grabbing onto people. But you don't really have to do a lot of backtracking to get that stuff if you don't want to. And the main game only makes you do a tiny amount of backtracking to actually progress forward. So very light on those elements. <clears throat> and the main reason it does that is my biggest and really only gripe with the game is that there's no map at all. Um, I think the conceit is like, well, you're a monster. Why would you have a map? But there are lots of things dotted throughout the game to help you as the human player figure out what's going on. Because I don't expect the monster to be able to read English or to know what arrows pointing to like the exit of an area are supposed to mean. So if you're if they're going to do that, I don't know why they couldn't just give you a map. Or maybe you may pick, make it an option where you could turn the map on or off. Because I've gotten lost a couple or of times. Or an upgrade or something. Yeah, or, or an upgrade or something. You get this ability where you like do a monster growl and it like pings off of the adjacent like map tiles or whatever. And it'll tell you like um, based on the ping you get back, it's like, oh, there's humans over there or there's uh, a, a nest. Like you make these little flesh nests, for lack of a better term, that ser- serve as like your save points and you can backtrack to them to get um biomass which is your health um a little bit of biomass from them um in case you take damage and there's no humans to eat for biomass it's like it tells you where those are and that's occasionally helpful but i've barely used it um so a map would be really really handy um because like i said there's been a couple of sections that do involve a lot of backtracking are there just more complicated areas where you're trying to solve puzzles across multiple screens and just having a map would be really nice to navigate around. Most of the time, the just sort of like keep moving forward is all you need to do. But still, map. It, the game needs a map, I think. Um, I've been very tempted a couple of times to have a walkthrough pulled up next to me. And just about when I've been ready to go look for it, I've been like, okay, here's where I need to go. Or this is what I actually need to do to solve this puzzle. Um, cause there's really no hints or tutorials or anything outside of like a basic, like, this is what this ability does. Press E for this or press Q for that. Um, so I, I kind of like that, but I mean, overall it's a, a re it's a blast. There's a lot going on in the background. Some of it is kind of thrown in your face. Um, there are these sections that I don't understand mechanically how they work and maybe it will be revealed when I beat the game. But like where you're given like, I don't know if it's a flashback or I don't know if it's like some type of like weird creature vision where you can see some stuff that humans were doing before, um, like before you broke out of the facility. Um, but a lot of the story is told in the backgrounds, like pay attention. If you play this game, pay attention to the backgrounds as you go through the levels. And there's one point in the game where I'm like, huh, that's not what I expected. 
with where the background shifted and it's like, oh, I don't think I'm where I thought I was before. So there's there's a there's a lot of stuff. Oh, and read like read signs, um, look around like there's sometimes it'll be like, oh, there's this human over there in like this computer room. And you can just like sit for a second and read what he's doing. Like if there's something on the screen or read like this, these like scrolling sign messages with warnings and stuff on them to get little ideas about the world and what's going on there. Um, if you're not interested in that stuff, like there's definitely a lot to, to enjoy about this game on a playthrough. Um, I think the only replayability from this, like in, unless there's some major twist at the end, that's like, whoa, mind blown, like a six sense level twist. Um, the only replayability I think would be going back and looking for like the foreshadowing of stuff that I do know has happened in the story as it's progressed. So, but I mean, it's, it's a fun experience. I don't know if it's worth like the 20 bucks that it costs you to buy it on steam or whatever, but a hundred percent, like if you have game pass, pick this up, it's not scary at all. Like you're playing the scary monster. There's nothing else in this game. I have found that has been scary at all. So as long as you're okay with like body horror and a lot of gore, there's no reason why you shouldn't play this. It's a great game. So that's carrying. That was my second game on my list. And then my last game is a weird little game that I got on uh sale on switch. Technically I didn't pay anything for it because on switch, I don't know if it does this for other like digital purchases and the Nintendo ecosystem, but you earn coins, which are basically rewards, po- rewards points for buying games through their digital shop. Um, uh, for the DS, uh, you do get the gold coins for uh, purchases, but you can't cash them in directly, uh, a one to one penny uh, ratio. You can do uh, uh, essentially coupons with them, though. That seems to cycle pretty quickly, though. Yeah, you can cash them in for one to one. Uh, one gold coin is worth one cent uh, on the Switch eShop. And so there's been a couple of games that I've bought like this with my coins. It, it was seven cents, um, but I had like 40 or 50 cents of worth of coins. And so I, I, I air quotes paid seven cents for it. Um, this is a vehicular combat turn-based strategy game. Um, it's pretty all right. It's pretty decent. Um, you know, it's it's priced at four bucks on Steam. I think it's priced at four or five bucks on Switch as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's exactly what I just said. A simple turn-based strategy car combat game. There is a really good story going on in the background. The opening chapter has got like um, a several pages long short story to read. And whoever wrote this thing is a really good writer that talks a little bit about the history of the world that you're in. Like it's a post-apocalyptic pseudo like Mad Max sort of world. Um, and it it goes through a really riveting like car chase where that like your sort of like main character, the leader of the faction or whatever, um, explains like what he's doing and goes through a car chase and a gunfight and you're introduced to some other characters and then it kind of drops you in this really shitty gameplay tutorial. Um, the gameplay is not super great at the beginning. Honestly, it was the story and the art that kept me going. You can see on the Steam... I think you can see on the Steam page. Let me scroll through these real quick. Uh, no. Is it in the video? You can see in the gameplay trailer some examples, like really quickly, some examples of art flash by. 
at around like the 25 to 30 second mark in the trailer. And every chapter has got one or two pages of this art drawn with some story stuff that walks you through um, what's going on and the character progression. Like the story is really well written and I appreciate that. The gameplay picks up after a few levels when you've earned some upgrades to, to actually upgrade your vehicles and make them useful. Um, the first few missions are ve- feel very much more like a puzzle that you have to solve that only has one correct solution. Um, you've got three different types of cars. There's like a muscle car that is very fast and maneuverable but can only fire in a narrow arc forward. There's a truck, uh, like a 4 by 4 that has no guns. Sometimes they have rockets on them that only fire directly forward. Um, but that seems to be just like on the level thing. You can't choose that. And they're all about ramming and they have armor that reduces all incoming damage by two points. Um, unless they get hit in the rear. And then there's like these heavy, like tracked vehicles that have guns on each side of them and they have the most health and do the most damage, but they're the slowest and the least maneuverable. And the first few levels where all of these are being introduced and the shooting mechanics are being introduced it really feels like there's only one solution to complete them. But once you've gotten, I'm about halfway through the story based on the map. I mean, there could be more map areas, but it, it does that thing where it's like, there's a map of like a desert and chapter one shows up and then chapter two and, you know, like a little road gets drawn between them and it's all, you know, curvy and everything. But, um, you know, I'm about halfway through the story on that one. I've got, three two or three upgrades for every vehicle like increased damage or health or maneuverability and then it feels like a lot more like a strategy game because your stuff is good enough that you can make a couple of mistakes and still be able to turn it around and win in the beginning like if you made mistakes you basically lost and had to start over but it's surprisingly a good game like if i had pl- paid even like two or three bucks for this i i would probably feel disappointed the writing and the art is really good. And if I could have just paid like $2 for that, I would have been happy, I think. But the gameplay is not good enough, especially in the beginning, to form a good connective tissue between those things. But for nothing, like for free, you know, for seven cents in, in you know, rewards points on the Nintendo eShop, definitely worth it. I have enjoyed my time with it, especially for you know, what it cost me. Like I said, the first few missions were tedious, but that was when the story was the most, um, like the longest, the most, the most verbose. And then the story, the story snippets have gotten a little bit smaller, but the gameplay has gotten better. So an enjoyable little surprise, mad carnage. And you can't get it on steam. The interface looks slightly different on steam. I suppose that's because you can play it with a mouse instead of having to use the, uh, thumbsticks and the D-pad on the Switch. I wish I could use the touchscreen. This would be great if I could use the the Twitch Twitch the Switch's touchscreen. But alas, you cannot. Although I have another strategy game I'm going to talk about probably next week that you can. Um, but more on that next time. So yeah, Mad Carnage on Dragon Ball Z. But if you get Mad Carnage for like a dollar or less, it's I think that that's worth it. Um, get through the first few levels and then the gameplay gets good enough to, um, you know, make that part enjoyable. Although if I ever find like, I don't know if this is like uh, based on anything, but if it is, I want to find that thing and read it. So those are all the games I played this week. 
sort of. <laughs> All the games I'm going to talk about this week that I've played recently. So that's it for games we played this week. This was, um, we'll move on to our first news story, which you had brought up last week and decided to hold in reserve till this week. Yeah, so I'm because... Who? Yep. I'm going to shut up and let you talk about it. So I think this one, okay, hands up, who did not see this one coming? Rocket League uh, goes free to play, but becomes an Epic Store exclusive. And I should have, uh, I kind of editorialized the uh, title, so I screwed that there. Uh, But yeah, uh, anybody uh, not see this one coming? There was actually uh, a... A review bomb when Epic bought out the developer Psionics, saying that this was going to happen, and they said, "No, no, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to support Steam. We're continuing to." Nope, nope. So Rocket League is going full free to play, which I don't really have a problem with. I mean, honestly, last time I fired up Rocket League, they have literally everything that. I would expect from a mobile game, the free-to-play architecture. Uh, they have loot crates. They have the battle passes with the uh, with the crappy tier uh, for free players. But if you pay them five or ten bucks, you could get on the uh, premium gold-plated treadmill and get all those uh, sweet, sweet rewards, right? Woo! And, well, I should say, they no longer have the loot crates. They actually... Swap that out to a system where you'll randomly get a drop for a blueprint. And if memory serves correctly, you have to buy in to be able to unlock it for cosmetics. Or you can trade that off. If memory serves correctly, it's been a while since I've loaded up Rocket League. And honestly, uh, whenever Psionics was bought out, I, I gave up on it. I, I knew this was coming. So uh, here we are, Rocket League is uh, being delisted from Steam. People that bought it before uh, it gets delisted will get to keep it, and they promise they'll uh, keep it up to date because they really, really kept up with their promises before, right? Uh, it's just, uh, what the fuck, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I also wasn't surprised. Um, I mean, it was a little surprising in the sense of like, Huh. Well, that's interesting. But I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, yeah, totally not a surprise. Saw this coming a mile away. Yeah. And it's just uh, really shitty to pull something like this. I really disagree with store exclusivity, uh, especially on PC. And I do understand that uh, Steam has the same problem. However, you have more options to buy from than just Steam for a good portion of games. You can buy directly from the developers in a good number of cases. You have a countless number of different sites you could go to. It's very rare that you actually hit a game that, or in this day and age, that you're forced to on Steam outside of AAA stuff and Valve exclusive stuff for the most part. But Epic has been highly anti-consumer and grabbing up pretty much as many high-level double-A titles as they could uh, with uh, occasionally something will garner a lot of attention on Kickstarter and they'll do, they'll grab it from there. 
uh, Shimu 3 is a good example of that one where uh, they actually went back on backer promises on not only a PC version uh, for on Steam, but also uh, to send out keys, but they also rescinded the Linux and the Mac versions because the Epic Store, uh, because it doesn't run on those platforms, because of course it doesn't, right? Right. I mean, how they're just now getting achievements up and running. I should tell you something, right? Yeah, they have uh, problems. Yeah, almost as many as, uh, problems as I have with them, huh? You do have a lot of problems with them. They have, I mean, I know that you don't want to even give them the traffic, and I understand that. But Epic has put out or put up so many free games. I mean, I don't know why they're doing it to get people in their ecosystem so they're more likely to spend money. But, I mean, games that I have gotten on the Epic Store for free, because I've gotten a couple. I haven't gotten any review keys in a long time, but I did get a couple that were review keys. Like, I got a review key of Satisfactory when it was only on the Epic Store. Um, actually, that might be the only review key I've gotten for it was on the Epic Store. But they did give away... Uh, they've given away Abzu. They gave away Kingdom Come Deliverance. They gave away Slime Rancher, Subnautica. And, like, yeah, I know that these games, you can get them in other places. You can buy them. They've been given away... Or they're part of Game Pass or... Or they're part of Game Pass, but some of them have come and gone on Game Pass already. So yeah, I just I just don't want to be uh, counted uh, uh, for it. And honestly, I'm I may still be counted for it because uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, the game that they had a uh, the Monster Hunter clone. Uh, it went dauntless. Uh, dauntless, yeah. It went uh, Epic Store exclusive, and I just dropped uh, uh, my playing of it because I didn't want to deal with it. I wasn't enjoying it that much. I wasn't that far into it, and honestly, a lot of times whenever I hit these free to play games, I fall off of them once I start to hit the progression uh, wall. So it just kind of saved me the trouble, really. Yeah. There's there's a couple of games I'm going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks that I played that were giveaways on the Epic Store, um, but you know they're they have bad business practices and I totally understand. Like I'm not trying to like say anything negative about you for not going to get the games that they're giving away for free. Like I mean it's marketing, it's psychological marketing. Like oh we'll give you this free stuff, get you in our eco- ecosystem, and maybe you'll spend money. Yeah, but I also don't really need it because I can just you know play the games I have on Steam. Uh, get the ones I have on Twitch, which, speaking of which, uh, make sure you uh, get uh, your Twitch games. The August games? Yeah. Gotta get that copy of Shaq Fu, right? Woo! And actually, I'm not joking. Shaq Fu, baby. Actually, supposedly, it's a somewhat decent game, which is scary. Because Shaq Fu is one of those infamously bad games uh, from the SNES era. Uh, but... Yeah, I just have other things I could play. Never mind the fact that, you know, I grabbed a bunch of games on uh, the Steam Summer Sale that I still uh, need to play because I've been playing another game. So it's a combination of not wanting to be counted and also I just don't want to be fucking bothered with a yet another place uh, that I have a bunch of games. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair indeed. But yeah, it's... And yes, they are compensating people that bought in early. 
uh, I, I will say that it's a, a decent amount. They're saying that all the Rocket League branded DLC is going uh, released before the free to play. So they're hinting that there's going to be more is, uh, being given to people that bought the game, which is actually a lot more than what Team Fortress did. Uh, existing since 20XX uh, with the uh, that title that ex- displays the first year you played Rocket League. 200 plus common items upgraded to legacy quality, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, golden Cosmos Boost, uh, a cosmetic, uh, cosmetic wheels, and a uh, title. So they are giving compensation for people that bought in early. But it does kind of suck if you bought it pretty close to whenever uh, uh, they announced this. Because, eh, I mean, it's been it's been out for five years. And now it's only, eh, screw to us, team, right? It's interesting to hear you say bought in early because the game has been released for years. Uh, well, well, I meant bought in before this, you know? Yeah. That, that's what I meant is that bought in before the free to play, but bought in pretty recently, I guess I should say. Ugh. I got the game pretty recently and now it's suddenly it's free, uh, going free to play. Now, the real winners on this, I will say, are the console players. Because they'll be available through Switch on, as free-to-play as well. They'll be available on PlayStation and Xbox's uh, free-to-play titles as well. So that's where the kind of the real winners in this whole thing are. It's just kind of uh, the Steam players are kind of getting shafted. And honestly, I don't trust Epic to keep the Steam uh, uh, version up and running. I think they're eventually going to say, well, if you want to keep playing, you know, why don't you come over to the Epic store, right? Yeah. I think you can connect your Steam account to your Epic account for like friend sharing and stuff. Mm-hmm. I bet they would be like, oh, just connect your account and you can get all the same stuff. I bet. Yeah, but let's not, right? Yeah, let's not do that. Tis a silly thing. Tis a silly place. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, let's go somewhere else. Indeed. Let's talk about Xbox Game Pass. Um, specifically, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate gets Project X Cloud on September fifteenth. Yeah. yeah, this is actually an interesting little announcement. So, Xbox did their big uh, online uh, event. Uh, I guess it was a week and a half, almost two weeks ago now. But this has kind of been the uh, nugget that's really been going out uh, is that the Project X Cloud is going to all Ultimate. Uh, uh, tier members as an add-on now uh, for those who don't know uh xbox game pass it has two or three tiers there there's uh the base one that we both have and then there's another one that ha- i'm gonna have to look that up because i mean isn't there just three there's the xbox game pass for pc Xbox Game Pass for console, and then Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is all of it, and also Xbox yeah. Live Gold. Yeah, sorry, that's what it is. It combines the two, and I can. Uh, uh, well, they are addressing the fact that the P- they're dropping Xbox on the Game Pass for PC as well, so it'll be far less confusing. Yeah, just call it PC Game Pass, or maybe Microsoft Game Pass. And that would be I understand fun. why they did it to yeah because that uh, marketing for the Xbox brand, but holy fuck, it got confusing. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day who 
had not heard of it. And I was like, yeah, Xbox PC Game Pass. And they're like, wait, is it for your computer or for your Xbox? Yes. And I'm like, yeah. Depends on which one you pay for. Yeah, so what's the interesting thing is, okay, the Xbox Game Pass for PC, because I haven't changed it yet, uh, is $5 a month because it's still in beta. The Game Pass for uh, console is 10 but you could combine them into the Ultimate for 15 Well, now the Ultimate is going to get the Project X Cloud, which is their streaming service that has quite a few games on it. And it's going to be available for Android on September 15th for uh, uh, Game Pass uh, Ultimate users. And there's actually quite a few titles on here that are interesting. Uh, the campaign uh, for crackdown three is that all the halo that's out right now for the uh, on uh game pass um halo wars one and two master chief collection spartan assault and halo five well i think the master chief collection for console has uh all five halo games from xbox 360 days so reach one two three and four and on PC, it's only Reach 1, 2, and they just released 3, I think. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's all the Halo games that exist. Uh, oh, wait, no, that's not true. There's the Twin Stick Shooter ones. Uh, Spartan Strike and Spartan Assault, I think, are what they're called. But the, like the main Halo games, yeah, that's all of them on this list. Uh, let's see. Killer Instinct, uh, The Outer Worlds, uh, Quantum Break, ReCore. Okay, ReCore's not a great example, but still. Uh, tell me why the new Don't Nod game that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wasteland, Wasteland, uh, remat or sorry, Wasteland Remastered, uh, remat- uh, Wasteland 2 and Wasteland 3 that's coming out later this month. I mean, it is impressive the uh, the number of games and the quality of them, and that's just the launch titles. And I'm failing to see why people would want Stadia at this point. Yeah, I mean, Google Stadia was basically dead on arrival anyways, but, I mean, it didn't take very many nails, I feel like, to for that coffin, and this is definitely, like, the last one. So, okay. the I, I, I'm going to go double-check. I know Stadia is $10 a month, but I don't know exactly what games you get for that. The only one I remember is Assassin's Creed uh origins whatever whatever was the newest assassin creed that was on there but i can't remember any of the others uh let's see so you can get your one month of stadia pro for free what actually comes in stadia pro yeah i'm trying to find it on here because mm, about stadia all right at least here's the library of games some of them you Oh no, okay, so these are the games that are included with Stadia Pro. Crate Crata? I have no idea what that is. Destiny 2 the Collection, Get Packed, Grid, Guilt, Just Shapes and Beats, Kona, Little Nightmares, Metro 2033 Redux, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, Steam World Dig, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, PUBG, Panzer Dragon, or Dragoon, sorry. Works Must Die 3, SteamWorld Dig 2, SteamWorld Heist, SteamWorld Quest, Strange Brigade, Super Hot, The Turing Test, 
west of loathing. That's what's included, air quotes included, with Stadia Pro. And then there's another one, two, three, four, five, six, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 games that you can purchase. So what's that a total of 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 67 games total on Stadia. Yeah, it's just kind of kicks its ass, doesn't it? Yeah. If they have support for Xbox controllers, I'm tempted to sign up for like that one month trial of Stadia Pro. And um, then, the Game Pass actually uh, is supporting controllers. <laughs> yeah, I know that. That's why I said, because Stadia at launch only supported their specific controller. And they said, oh, yeah, we're going to have support for other controllers. Maybe someday. Um, each month, Stadia Pro subscribers can claim one or more free games to play right now. Claim games. Uh, Stadia Pro, uh, claimed uh, Stadia Pro games can be played for as long as your subscription is active. However, these titles can only be claimed for a limited amount of time. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at this list and don't get me wrong. There's some strong indie titles, but it's just, there's a lot of really, really old stuff as well. Like steam world dig, right? Yeah. I'm assuming that's the newer grid. The turning test is also fairly old. So super hot. The power Rangers game was actually fairly recent. Rock of ages three is actually, uh, uh, pretty much brand new, as far as I know. Oof. Oh, Stadia doesn't support a lot of stuff. Um, if you're using Stadia through your PC, it seems like it just uses whatever input device you're using, so keyboard and mouse or a controller. But outside of PC, there's extremely restricted um, compatibility between various controllers and devices. So... Oof. It, it looks like part. yeah, it looks like if you can somehow plug your controller up via USB to your uh smart device, tablet, smartphone, whatever, then it works. Like these all say USB connectivity, and some of them say Bluetooth connectivity question mark in the compatibility chart. But they all seem to work if if you can plug them up via USB according to this chart. Yeah, I remember, I think it was during the last E3, which not sure if I mean that literally or you know, just the you know, last one as in last year. And I made that joke a couple of times already. Uh, them uh, selling Stadia hard on the ads. And I'm just thinking, this isn't even ready for you know, a, a, a closed beta, let alone being pushed out on uh, E3, right? Yeah. I mean, if the Epic Store is half-baked still, then Stadia is like a bag of flour, uh, you know, a little bit of salt, uh, maybe a little bit of yeast uh, uh, ready to get going. I'm still busy uh, weighing out my water. I'm trying to sign up for a free trial. It's not letting me use Google Pay or PayPal. <laughs> it doesn't even allow google pay google pay is is here and i click on it and it says you must add a valid credit or debit card which i do have in my google pay well wasn't there uh horror stories of people uh, talking or trying to talk to google support about their founders edition or whatever they called it uh essentially the pre-order for the hardware and the google minions had no idea what the hell stadia was yeah, I remember that. 
Let me sign in. I wonder if my card is like expired or something. That's possible. <laughs> nope. I have paid for stuff within the last month with my Google Pay account. I thought I had. A, okay. Stadia doesn't think that Google Pay is valid for me. <laughs> oh. Yeah, right here on the option. When I go to click on Google Pay, it says add a valid credit or debit card. and But then I can click on pay with a card and it it lets me go to put in card information and of course i can't use paypal because reasons i don't know why i can buy stuff on the play store with my paypal account i'm an old man paypal i don't want any of this other stuff just let me pay pay for things with paypal i don't care that it's problematic that elon musk is that crazy bastard is a crazy bastard just it, i've used paypal for years damn it i don't want to change yeah, there, there there was that big hack where uh, a, uh, a couple of guys uh, was it English guys? I remember them getting uh, charged recently, but I can't remember where they're from. Uh, hacked a bunch of uh, high profile uh, celebrities and uh, Twitter accounts, and Twitter had to lock down uh, uh, pretty much anybody verified uh, to, from tweeting out for a couple of hours. Yeah, I remember that. And Elon Musk was one of the ones that tweeted out the uh, the scam, which was basically, uh, yeah, uh, send us uh, send me bitcoins uh, for charity or whatever. I want to know who the fuck could tell with Elon Musk's uh, Twitter feed if he's been hacked or not. That is true. He has such a random Twitter feed. Vermin Supreme is more stable on his Twitter feed, <laughs> and and he sent out a picture. Of him in a tie and a boot, as in just wearing his boot hat and tie, saying that he has nothing to hide. It's still a yeah, better, seen- uh, it's still a more uh, uh, sane politician than what we have in leadership. Indeed, vote Vermin Supreme. Yeah, you'll get a free pony. <laughs> my little pony. Oh my god! I had a client today who showed me My Little Pony things that I had never seen before. Oh, no. They're interesting. I love them. But uh, you definitely won't care, so I won't go any farther. I love you, and I respect you. You don't want to see these things. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. I know you have limits. I know, even I know where the line is, and I'm not going to go across this line. I was excited to find them, though. I was very happy. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, Game Pass is cool. Stadia sucks dick. They won't let me pay for a month with my Google Pay account. They won't allow... A Google service won't allow Google Pay. That should tell you just... I've had so many problems with Google Pay all the time. I don't like it. It's problematic. I actually tend to use Amazon Pay, which I know uh, I'm just exchanging uh, one evil overlord for another one, but right. Yeah. I've used Amazon Pay a few times, but good old PayPal. That's my thing. So uh, speaking of uh, crazy bullshit stuff. Yeah. Spider-Man is coming to Marvel's Avengers, but as a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, and and you mispronounced it. It's Spider-Man. 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 
coming to Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, so the Marvel Avengers live action or live action games as service, live service games as service thing. I honestly don't know a lot of details about it. I wrote it off pretty quickly after it's like games as you know service thing. Yeah, it, like, it, okay. It's like this Never mind. weird place between an MMO and story heavy single player game where they're trying to continuously continue the same story over the course of who knows how long which on the surface doesn't sound too bad but as someone that knows how these services work it's it's not going to be pretty in the long run and it was also had this uncanny valley of having the avengers voiced by different voice actors because they're trying to separate it from the Marvel uh, movie universe. And it just felt weird hearing uh, Tony Stark talk with anybody but Robert Downey Jr.'s voice. Yeah. And they went out of their way to make all the characters look different, or slightly different as well. Which, considering that the comics have actually shifted towards the Marvel movie universe's likenesses, just makes them feel like it's like Saturday Night Live knockoffs. Yeah, there there has been a cast from the animated series for at least their voice actors that they could have went with that for some people who have no experience with that would have felt would have been like, oh, this is weird. Um, but for the the more, I don't know, diehard or more invested fans would be like, OK, like this isn't aren't the movie actors, but they're the people that do the all the animated series and, you know, movies and stuff. But they didn't even do that. Um, which is strange because those characters have lent their voices to like the Lego Marvel games and um, the knockoff uh, movie tie-in games. Um, so I don't know why they didn't get those voice actors. Money. I guess. I mean, you're right. But still, I get. I totally get not being able to pay the money to get, you know, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and... Um, you know, so on. Like it would have cost, I don't know, millions of dollars to get those guys as voice actors. Well, well, just think about this. Uh, isn't Samuel L. Jackson the highest paid actor ever? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that's Robert Downey Jr. Uh, let's see. See, in 2019, Robert Downey Jr., number one. I remember there was a this weird metric that it was Samuel L. Jackson was like highest earning actor of all time, or or it was a, an oddball metric that I can't find right now. Well, this list contradicts itself because it said Robert Downey Jr. was number one, and then he's actually number three on the list when you pull up the full full article. I hate uh, sites that uh, has a slideshow for fifty fucking items. I know Samuel L. Jackson is definitely up there, though. So, yeah. Okay, so Dwayne the Rock Johnson, eighty-nine million. That's this mm-hmm. two thousand nineteen. Chris Hemsworth, seventy-six million. Oh, oh okay, okay. I uh, this is the metric that uh, I remember. Highest grossing actor, as in, uh, let's see, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, has grossed seven point one billion. So uh, it's essentially the top four, or sorry, top three are Avengers, 
it's talking about their overall take uh, from uh, uh, their movie uh, showings. So that's uh, the metric I was uh, I was remembering because Samuel L. Jackson's in how many Marvel movies? A lot of them. Even though most of his parts are fairly small, he's in a lot of them. But anyways, what, what were we saying before we got off on this tangent? Uh, getting uh, the voice actors uh, from the cartoons or uh, getting the actors to reprise their roles, even if it's just voice uh, for this game. It... Because they didn't do either, and they got, the, but they also tried to get sound alikes. It just yeah. made it, it put it right in this uncanny valley. Yeah, this is going to be an issue going forward, anyways, to have to deal with if if the Marvel Cinematic Universe continues to be the juggernaut that it is. Because I mean, these actors get older and they get tired and they want to do different things in their career and stuff. Like I get it. Um, so we're going to have to deal with changing, you know, sort of the changing guard as time goes on, but it seems strange to me like that. They just, and I mean, I get, you know, again, I understand it's all money to them. They don't give a shit, but it seems strange to me to not like actually get the correct voice cast to make it feel more authentic. Unless this is supposed to be the new voice cast going forward, which it could be. But I haven't seen anything about that. And I'm I'm more sort of ear to the ground on this than you are, although I'm not as invested in comics and as I used to be. But I just it's I haven't seen anything about it being like, yes, the new cast of the Marvel Avengers game is going to be the voice cast for the cartoon series going forward. Like, okay, fine. A little weird, but you know, that works. Makes sense. Gotta change people out every once in a while. But, you know, they haven't said anything about it, so it's just very strange. And if memory serves correctly, a lot of the trailer that they showed, what was it, two years ago now? Uh, for this game, it was a lot of just set pieces, but didn't really give you an idea of what was going on in the game. It was just, uh, here, uh, look at this bread scene with Iron Man flying around, right? Yeah. So, anyway. Would, man, oh, sorry, if, this was a, if this was a single-player open or pseudo open world game i would be all about it but as soon as i as soon as they were they said like yes this is gonna be in uh, a living world a living game a live service game i'm like fuck it i'm out i don't want to deal with that shit and this is part of the shit that i didn't want to deal with but and and this is real this is really simple to understand at a very top level like sony owns the rights to spider-man they own all of them they've had that negotiated deal with marvel studios and disney for a while now to have spider-man in the mcu and they don't own the comic book rights to spider-man as far as i know but they own the film and screen rights for him and and the video game you know and the gaming rights for him so i get that but Oh, what they have done. I don't know if you watched Jim Sterling's video on this or not. Uh, Yeah, I did. So what they've done is not that they've added value to the PlayStation version of the game. They have devalued every other version of the game. Yeah. And then it went. Yeah, I was going, I was going to agree that uh, they also de-incentivized anyone from buying it on another platform outside of the PlayStation. And then they're just going to complain if sales don't meet expectations on those platforms. Well, people obviously don't want this game. Well, maybe they want to play as fucking Spider-Man, right? 
because I would say Spider-Man's probably the most, if not one of the most recognizable uh, Marvel characters. I think Spider-Man is one is the most popular solo character in Marvel in the Marvel canon in Marvel comics. Yeah, with X-Men probably being up there for just notability, but that's more of a group. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Spider-Man has some of the most iconic stuff in Marvel comics. Like the, um, after 9-11, Spider-Man is on the comic of one of their covers, like with an American flag. Like, I don't, you know, I I don't know if you've ever seen that. I suspect that you have. Like, it's something that's been in in a lot of places. I think I did. Um, and I mean, you know, that's Spider-Man. Like, you know, Spider-Man is, to a lot of people, Marvel Comics. So, the, a lot of people, like, Spider-Man is a lot of people's favorites. Like, Spider-Man is my kid's favorite. I, I like Spider-Man. He's, you know, he's probably in the top, he's definitely in the top ten. He might be in the top five, depending on my mood, of, like, Marvel characters that I like. Um, But he's certainly someone that's familiar to everyone. So... Yeah, and it's not just Spider-Man, okay? So uh, they're also saying that they're coordinating off some events uh, to be exclusive for a month, coordinating off uh, some cosmetic stuff. And that's the thing is, before you say, well, it's just cosmetic stuff, well, not really, especially in a game as a service thing, because uh, you're trying to differentiate your Thor from you know, a few million other Thors. So having a, a cosmetic item that might be neat, it might not, uh, you know, just kept away from you. Uh, something that is actual gameplay. Yeah. Also, I haven't seen anything about uh, like gameplay progression, like unlocks and power-ups and level-ups and stuff like that. But you do get, it's also on the PlayStation you're going to get like a, a bundle if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber that gives. Or, yeah, which has currency every single time they add a new character. Yep. Yep. And even if all of this stuff is, is quote unquote just cosmetic, like that still matters. Like you were just saying, like you want to differentiate your hero or you want to get their fit, your favorite, like period costume or whatever for them. And so it's it's got more to it than just being cosmetic. So, just just fuck them. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I understand why this happens, and it's nice to see that it's not the full game being exclusive, but if you wanted to play as one of these characters, or you want the you know, as full of experience as you can, well, uh, they diminish the value of the game for every other platform to try to shine a light on the PlayStation version. And I think this is something different because it's Spider-Man. Like the the biggest thing that sticks out in my mind for this, I know this isn't the only one, but this is the example that's kind of the most personal to me with my gameplay experience was in destiny, you know, the, the original destiny and, you know, also in destiny too. But anyways, in the original destiny PlayStation had like some exclusivity deal and they had certain content for a whole year before it showed up on the Xbox version. And then they got everything like a month sooner. And I was an Xbox player at the time. And that was, like, really annoying to me. But also, it was just, like, uh, some kind of special gun and, you know, access to certain, like, multiplayer things early. It was annoying, but, you know, I could deal with it. But Spider-Man is different 
from that. Spider-Man is like we just you know spent five minutes talking about a beloved character by many, many people's favorite character in the whole universe. You know the the Marvel universe that is um, a fairly unique power set as well. Yeah, considering you're dealing with uh, a game where you play superheroes, so having a character that's vastly different. And from the sounds of it, it's the, pretty much the the main cast of the Avengers. So, yeah, you have nothing quite like Spider-Man, at least in the uh, opening set, if memory serves correctly, from the E3 trailer. Yeah, it's um, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, and um, Black Widow were the once they introduced right off the bat, I think Hawkeye's the next one that's been like announced. Yeah. But does anybody really care about Hawkeye? I like Hawkeye. I get that he gets shit on by a lot of people. Cause he's just a guy with a bow and arrow. And in the comics, he's got a weird purple costume, but I kind of like him. He's spunky. Also his costume is purple. Well, maybe he's colorblind and he doesn't know it's purple. <laughs> there is one version of Hawkeye where he is blind and he uses like, echo location to shoot people with arrows it's very weird it's like in the 90s comics were weird because they tried to be all like gritty and serious and he's like a grizzled yeah did anybody tell dc it's no longer the 90s (laughs) probably but dc ain't listen he's like all grizzled and he gets like injured and it's like a post-apocalyptic world because the avengers and the x-men and everything like didn't stop something so he's blind and he shoots people with his echolocation and they're trying to figure out how to turn back time and win the the big fight that's like the worst hawkeye like i want the purple costumed hawkeye also female hawkeye is really cool there's a female hawkeye in the uh, I, I know okay i know that's not what you mean by echolocation but my mind uh it, maybe it's just i'm a little sleep deprived my mind went uh, he just yells Marco and waits for somebody to yell Polo and he shoots him. <laughs> he shoots him. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Head cannon. That's what it is. Marco. And, uh, uh, but, and he has like some some subtle <laughs> superpower where people or bad guys have to say Polo whenever he says Marco. <laughs> yeah. He's working with Professor X. He's like reaching out in their minds. And Professor X is just doing this because he feels bad for Hawkeye. Or Professor X is just a dick. Could could be. Could be a little bit of both. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have anything else to say, I don't think. Fuck 'em. I wasn't gonna buy this anyways, but I'm definitely not now. Yeah, I mean if you wanna yeah, keep players away from your game, you know, you know, devalue their potential per- purchases, right? Yeah, and more. if and That's if it doesn't shut it, right? down, yeah. And if it doesn't shut down in a couple of years, it'll be free to play anyways. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because these games of service, they require such a time investment and a overhead or in a fresh player base continuously coming in that they eventually have to do something to try to get new players in. Yeah. So if they don't go free to play, they'll go a steep discount. Uh, then you'll still not get Spider-Man because you know, Sony owns Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> but, yep, that does it for us for the news for this week. Um, did we, we didn't have any, any uh, no. community corner, I don't think. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. 
No, I Ooh. did. I was going to double check, and no, nothing there. And I don't think I've real notice on uh, uh, the Discord this time around. Okay, where can they send us stuff, Rage? Well, you could send us stuff vglpodcast at gmail dot com, tweet to us vglpodcast on the Twitter, or uh, you can find our Discord link over at the website vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So that means it's time for us to go do a little doobly do for Discovery Q. I mm-hmm. know you've got your list pulled up with your first yep. game. So go for it. Yeah, I'll see you on the other side. Or other side, C I D E. See what they did there. So, other side, a dark fantasy tactical turn based strategy game. This has a really really impressive looking art style uh black and white with the red so yeah i think uh sin city but it's xcom plus some time travel it's really weird but just fascinating to look at uh pretty well reviewed it's been out for a, a little over a week now so yeah that's definitely one to check out and actually, yeah, well, it's uh, out of uh, impulse buy, at least for now. But it looks like it's historic low is you know, getting towards your impulse buy area. It's, it's historic low? Oh, 23 bucks. Uh, yeah, 23. It's not too bad. Nope, this looks um, interesting. Yeah, a dark fantasy uh, uh, tactical RPG. I heard it very briefly mentioned on a, a gaming podcast I listened to. Somebody had gotten like a, a review copy and they weren't ready to talk about it. But but they also, well, uh, something that's interesting is endless combat possibilities with dynamic timeline system. No idea what that is, but it sounds impressive. Indeed. And there Makes me think of that... like the JRPG system where that you could buff and debuff to move people up and down the turn order. Yeah, yeah it looks like there's, some people are saying there's technical issues and also are saying that it's more roguelike. A roguelite, which is possible. But we'll see, right? Yeah. So I got what might be the most opposite you could get from what you were just talking about. I think I've seen that one or, or talked about it before. Fight Crab! Uh, welcome to Fight Crab, a new 3D action game where you take I, I thought we don't talk crab. about Fight Crab. <laughs> What's the first one about Fight Crab? You fight off other giant crabs, and it looks like it's like a whole wacky physics. Your crabs get like weapons, like swords and shields and maces and drills? Question mark and a spear. I don't. I don't know. You do weird fighting with giant crabs, and it looks silly. And I'm there. Oh, there's graphs. There's graphs that show how much weight. And how powerful these weapons are. And I like graphs, and I like silly crabs. Well, what's interesting is that it's also uh, simulated physics. So it almost sounds like QWOP. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I'm all about this. I I want it. How much does this cost? $18. A little too rich for my blood for what it is. But if this... If, when, this drops to like 10 bucks, I'm all over it. So... I got one that I've been meaning to play on Game Pass and maybe drag you into for some uh, 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 multiplayer 
fun some Sunday. Grounded, also known as Honey, I Shrunk the Video Game. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about this. Yeah, it's mostly good stuff, actually. Well, at least from what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, It's a survival open world game. Essentially meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where you're bug-sized in this backyard and dealing with all the horrors that is nature. Uh, But you could also build and uh, dig around and poke around in uh, tunnels. It's supposed to be really interesting. I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. I've been meaning to, though. Yeah, if you want to play it for multiplayer night, I would I would play it. I I was thinking about checking it out. Um, I forgot that it was multiplayer. So games like that, I think, are always more fun in multiplayer. Yeah, at least one other uh, player that you know. Because I'm sure that you can play with randoms, but what's the fun in that, right? Yeah, randoms suck. Yeah, usually. So, um, I got one, The Survivalist. This is a... <laughs> top down or maybe isometric it's kind of hard to tell um survival crafting game um it's got a pixel art or you know retro pixel art graphic style it looks like and i haven't read everything very carefully but based on like this sort of the box description and the pictures it looks like you somehow have become like stuck on this island and you're trying to explore and train monkeys and survive and either find something or get off the island um and it's got a uh cooperative multiplayer so looks neat i love stuff like this and it's 25 bucks so too much for me to go into sight unseen looks like it's releasing in quarter four of 2020 so probably around christmas okay so my next one is traveler's rest a tavern or uh in management game plus uh brewing and a little bit of farming as well so you are the innkeeper on a journey to transform your rundown inn into a bustling social space in a fantasy world and it is uh, essentially one of these uh, almost uh uh request games that i've had i think i've had this on my list of games i wanted uh, to be made a proper management game like this where you're in a fantasy world building up your inn mm-hmm. and the problem is a lot of these tend to fall into a very tight routine of just uh essentially busy work and it doesn't follow what makes these games fun which is the social aspect of meeting other characters and that sort of thing i think uh what makes like my time in Porsche or Stardew Valley, great. You know, learning the town, learning uh, other pl- other characters, uh, and uh, uh, gaining relationships with them. So hopefully this is able to actually follow along in a, a stronger focus on not just, oh, you're running an inn, so you better make the best inn, but also getting to know your patrons as well. Just say that the early access does eventually want to have a story mode that you can progress through along with magic consumable items, uh, collectibles, achievements. Uh, it's early access right now. So still very basic, but 15 bucks. It's kind of tempting, huh? Yeah. Um, okay. So I got Hellpoint. 
Um, the best way that I can describe this based on what I've heard about it is that someone took Dark Souls and just slapped a sci-fi veneer on it. Like, um, ah, crap. What's the... I'm drawing a big blank on it. I literally was just thinking about it. The sci-fi Dark Souls that I've played before that I own. The Surge? The Surge. Okay, so The Surge, to to sort of distinguish these two things based on what I've heard about Hellpoint, is The Surge is someone took a sci-fi game, a sci-fi concept, and molded it around the Dark Souls style of play. Whereas this is supposed to be literally like Dark Souls with a sci-fi coat of paint over the top of it. I've heard it's very bad that if you want sci-fi Dark Souls, play The Surge, and otherwise just play Dark Souls. I've heard it's very buggy, um, and that it's very broken. So, I mean, I, I, this was more like one that I wanted to point out, like, here's a thing, I've heard it's bad, don't play it. Okay, well, here's a thing that I've heard that it's fun, an actual battle royale that I'm somewhat interested in. Uh, from Devolver Digital once again, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Think most extreme uh, uh, elimination challenge. MXC only mix it with uh, there's a there was a Gary's mod uh, sub game called Death Run, where essentially you were trying to do this pseudo platforming puzzle thing, and if you got knocked out you, you were out for the round so mix essentially mxc with battle royale where you're trying to get to the end of the level on or just run through a, a bunch of physics based uh, puzzles or playing soccer in uh, cooperative modes or, or cooperative rounds and only one person could get the crown uh, and it slowly whittles down the play field and it looks like a lot of fun. It has some pretty positive reviews. It is a bit expensive for what it is. It's 20 bucks. And like pretty much all Battle Royales out there, it really depends on one, the player base. If it retains players, right now it's pretty popular. But if it's, if its popularity wanes, then... And also because this is more level-based instead of a battle royale where a lot of of replayability is inherent in the map just because of the randomness of things. If they don't continuously update uh, and have more stuff added, which they have said that they're going to add new levels pretty quickly, then uh, I could see the player base going away because it is pretty quick uh, gameplay as far as I can tell. But it's also pretty random fun. I mean, the trailer does a good job of explaining what the hell. It's essentially like MXC, only everybody's running at once. Yeah. This was one of those games I saw on the Devolve for E3 show last year that looked interesting that I wanted to play. But I'm not sure if I want to put it uh, for 20 bucks just yet. Yeah. Okay. So I got a game called Agro. Agro. Um, I don't know if you or anyone listening has ever heard of the card game One Night Ultimate Werewolf, but this is literally someone took that game and turned it into a video game. In this game, you it's it's multiplayer only, and you have to play with real players for this to work. Um, there there might be if it's a small game, there might be some computer players. It doesn't say, but essentially, you're randomly assigned 
um, whether or not you're a werewolf or a, a villager. And then there are certain villager roles. And every night, the villagers sleep, and the werewolves decide who that they're going to kill. And then there are some shenanigans that happen in the middle of the night. And then the next day, uh, everyone has to... Like, the werewolves have to convince the humans that they're not werewolves so that the humans choose to kill someone who's not a werewolf. And the werewolves win if they aren't picked out. And I guess this is taking it further. Like, they have to kill all the humans. And then the humans win if they kill the vampires. And that's it. So it's like a social game it's sort of a social manipulation type of essentially sort of town of salem-esque almost yeah yeah there are several games that are like this it's this i think town of salem there's one called mafia i think um and and, you know it's just this idea that like there are there's shenanigans that happen and there's quote unquote like bad guys in the game and they have to basically not get found out which I, I don't know how well this would work as a video game. Like, everyone's sitting around a table playing and rounds go really quickly, like five minutes or so around. It's a lot of fun. I don't know how well that would translate to video game form. But, I mean, if they can make it work, good for them. I mean, they've got it listed at $12. It looks like to buy the card game is like 25 bucks. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm tempted. I don't know who I would play this with right now, but I'm tempted. It does not have any local form of play, which is which sucks. But I also see how that would be hard for it to work. Anyways, carry on. Your turn. Okay, well, I had to go through quite a few because I had uh, just the one you're talking about. I had Fight Crab. I had the Survivalist. So I'm towards the end of my queue now, and I got Cardiclasm. Oh, hang on. I didn't like it. Sorry. Uh, a deck building RPG where you're a dark wizard that accidentally released the four horsemen of the apocalypse and you're trying to send them back it's interesting it's still in early access so it's mixed reviews with not very many reviews Uh, there's still a lot to go on building up the uh, game Uh, it does sound like it has some roguelite elements with some uh, or actually quite a few roguelite elements so I uh, think essentially slay the spire or insert roguelite de- uh, deck builder here that you've played. Only you're the bad guy trying to prevent the end of the world so you can take over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting to say the least. And it has a rather uh, nice low poly art style. All right. Uh, I got one that'll be quick to go through. Mass Effect Andromeda. This is part of the ongoing EA is, I think, giving up on Origin and putting all of their games back on Steam. Um, I talked about the game pretty fully on an episode a couple of years ago. Um, Certainly the weakest of the Mass Effect games. If you like open world, sort of explorative type gameplay, something that's less story focused, which feels weird to say about the Mass Effect universe, but... You know, if you want more of something in the Mass Effect universe, they fixed the majority of the bugs with the game. They fixed the, like, the weird facial animations and stuff like that. It's not bad. Um, it's definitely it's not, just worth, not good. Yeah, it's definitely not worth 30 bucks unless you're like a diehard fan who wants it right now um, and hates Origin. Because um, it's... It's cheaper all the time on Origin. It goes on sale pretty frequently over there. But, you know, you get it for 10, 15 bucks. It'll give you a good 40 or 50 hours playthrough. 
to spend some more time in the Mass Effect world. Um, so there's my middling recommendation for Mass Effect Andromeda. Okay, well, here's one that it's a CRPG Vargas The Raven Realms, a early access open world RPG or CRPG where you're also with some survival elements in it as well. It is a, a, a really deep looking uh, and fascinating game where you're trying to unravel the mysteries of the world. It, it, it It's still in early access, so there's not a lot that I could really glean from this, but there is a free prologue that you could check out uh, to be able to get a taste of the game. So I might try that out at some point. But yeah, that is really interesting. Uh, hang on, let me take a look. Uh, no, I was thinking it was uh, by a developer that I knew because uh, the battle system looked familiar, but it might just be, yo, uh, the battle systems are, yeah, there's only so much you can iterate before you get so far off the beaten path, right? That it's just foreign. Yeah. So, yeah. I got something that looks very interesting to me. Golftopia. Design, build, and manage your own futuristic golf course. I've been meaning to play this. I actually got a review code, but I hit it right whenever I was trying to finish uh, as much as I could of Gears Tactics. And no, it's not by the people that made Startopia, even though it feels like just from what I've uh, looked at. Yeah. This might be my project to talk about next week. I definitely want to play this game. It looks super cute. A lot of fun. I'm all about this. Um, yeah, so I'm on my last game, and I'm going to go ahead and throw this in, even though I'm not sure if it's worth a play at this point. Uh, but what the hell, right? So yeah. I know you like your sandbox RPGs, right? I uh, do indeed. Especially MMOs. Worm Online, the free-to-play fantasy sandbox RPG or MMO RPG. I have no idea if you could even get into it at this point because I'm pretty sure this is a pretty old uh, game at this point. I downloaded it the other day. Initial release 2006. So it's going on 15 years old. It's still alive and kicking uh, according to this. It's um, one of the uh, so one of the older RPGs that's still pretty active. Yep. I saw it somewhere and that it was free to play. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to download that and try it. And I downloaded it and I haven't tried it yet. Well, according to this, uh, Notch actually worked extensively on the game. Um, uh, just going around looking for, to see how active it is. Let's see. Uh, that It's peaceful, challenging, and fun according to this one uh, commenter. But yeah, interesting. I, I didn't even realize it was on Steam. It looks like it came out. Well, I have no idea when it came out or when it came to Steam. But yeah, uh, push the boundaries of what it means to be a sandbox uh, MMORPG and stood the test of time. Continually updated and evolving the Steam launch. Brings fresh land to explore and tame. Now, the question is, you know, just how tough is it going to be to get into it because you're going to be, you know, 15 behind. 15 years behind the curve of a dedicated player, right? 
Yeah, I suppose we'll see. It depends on how much PvP is a part of the game. Um, be that combat or through some other means. If PvP is minimal to non-existent, then it won't matter. Yeah, it looks like it's mostly peaceful. But uh, a couple of reviews talk about unable to find resources that weren't claimed by clans that uh, were just holding everything. So possibly waste of time for a solo player. So it may be an Eve problem of, uh, you know, impenetrable to a solo new player unless you get taken under their someone's wing. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I plan on checking it out at some well, point. Oh, there's your project, right? Sure. That can be my project. I'll start playing Worm Online. Uh, do the worm. Looks like it was updated Monday. Its most recent update was Monday. So that's good. Well, that has, that has that going for it, which is nice. So that is it for my queue. Like I said, I hit several of your games. Plus I had uh, one that was just flat out porn. Yeah, my queue is done. I had two porn games, a couple that you had, a couple that uh, I skipped past, and then the ones that I brought up. So, woo! Oh, that really was fun. Play, yeah, I really want to play Golftopia. <laughs> I, I went on Keymailer and requested a key, and I'll wait and see if I get one. But if I don't, there's a good chance I'll be buying this in the next week or two. Especially if you play it this week and talk about it, and you're like, well, I'll try it out. Hey, it's right. really good. Yeah, because it. It was a weird combination of mini golf. Uh, essentially, uh, from what I remember from the press stuff, uh, essentially a tower defense meets uh, uh, a golf tycoon. Uh-huh. What you're saying makes only makes the game more appealing to me. Well, I just haven't had a chance to try it out yet. Because, like I said, I was trying Gears Tactics and then... Hmm. But anyway. Yep. Hey, Rage. Hit him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, GamerCR, or you can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage, over there. And you've been Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. And on Steam, you send a friend request to JR4707. And if you're slow, let me know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from. The password for this week is, well, that's bullshit. Oh, <laughs> uh, mostly I can uh, find my word list because I, it was bumped off my uh, easy to open files, and I didn't have a shortcut for it. So, well, that's bullshit. 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 Makes me think of Matthew McConaughey. I don't know if you've ever seen How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days or not, but the scene uh, where they play the card game. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Uh, uh, one of the guys that was in my uh, high school, he insisted on uh, playing it, uh, it towards the end of the year. Uh, but the teacher wouldn't let him use the uh, the term. So uh, it was the it was the English teacher that nobody liked, honestly. Uh, so they had to play horse hockey, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's the only <laughs> thing I really remember about that. Right, that's funny. There we go. That was just saving the word. But anyway, uh, well, once again, you could reach us, feature podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet them to us, feature podcast, uh, VGL podcast. Ugh. 
our lovely, lovely patrons make this brand as possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL podcast. And once again, you can find us over at vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, and links to all our stuff. Or you, have, or you can share the love and find us on your podcatcher of choice, iTunes, Google Play, or what have you. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly doo, both by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputate.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. Uh, see you next time. Bye bye.